This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to episode 39 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on December 10th, 2020. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. We are your hosts for the Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving you the lowdown on what's new in business and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help to make downtown Halifax better. On BizBuzz, we have business updates in light of the restrictions recently announced by the provincial government. We also have an update on what's happening with events. And we'll be talking about shopping local for the holiday season, including Mayor Mike's Local Stuff Challenge and our Downtown Halifax Holiday Gift Guide. But first, Ivy is going to talk to Eric Johnson, Program Coordinator with Navigator Street Outreach, which provides support to motivated, street-involved, and homeless individuals. He'll be talking about how folks can help and donate during the holidays and the cold winter months ahead. Also, Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, will discuss the new restrictions that were recently announced in response to the rising number of COVID-19 cases in the province, and in particular, HRM. Paul will also update us on some of the Federal Emergency Economic Relief Programs. We're recording this episode via video conferencing, so we apologize in advance for any issues with the sound quality. And this is also our last episode of the year. Good riddance, 2020. We'll be taking a short hiatus for the holidays, and we'll be back in January 2021. We are welcoming Eric Johnson back to Downtown Lowdown. Eric is the program coordinator with Navigator Street Outreach, which provides support to motivated street-involved and homeless individuals. The program assists them in securing and maintaining employment and housing through partnerships with community agencies, Downtown Halifax Business Commission, Spring Garden Area Business Association, and their business members. Eric has been on Downtown Lowdown a few times to talk about the Navigator Street Outreach program. And we always like to bring him back in during this time of year to find out how folks can help and donate during the holidays and the cold winter months ahead. Welcome back, Eric. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. I love being here with you guys. Oh, great. Uh, So let's begin with talking about the shelter situation. Uh, With the onset of the pandemic, there has been a desperate shortage of shelter beds, but there is some new hope uh, with Out of the Cold Shelter and another shelter that you're going to be talking about in downtown Halifax. Uh, So tell us about that. Yeah, it's actually, it's finally happening. Usually Out of the Cold opens uh, December 1st, but it looks like Out of the Cold is going to open a bit later this year. Um, but everybody in the community is, is always asking about it, like when can Out of the Cold open? So I think this Saturday, the 12th, um, they're going to be opening up, which is going to hopefully ease some of the pressure because there's there's still a lot of people sleeping outside and it's um, it's trickier now with the, with the pandemic that the libraries aren't open. So that's where a lot of people go during the day. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not as visible for me, at least, of how many people are still sleeping outside, but they're still there. They've just gotten more hidden. So, with How, how many beds How many beds are going to be at Out of the Cold? So, yeah, Out of the Cold is going to have 25 beds. And then I think one of the, sh- the hostels around uh, downtown is going to be opening up a couple more beds. Not really like a shelter, more like a longer-term kind of living space, but for, oh, folks that's great. Are, for folks that are homeless right now. So I'm really excited about that, that hopefully we'll see less people sleeping outside over the winter months because it's getting cold out. I was just seeing the snow when I woke up this morning and I was thinking of folks outside and I'm really glad that there's some good community um, effort and, and a lot of different part, members of the community are getting together to get people out, out, out of the cold and off the streets and into a shelter and hopefully um, find permanent housing from there because 
as everybody knows, the shelters aren't shelters aren't the answer. They're a, they're a band-aid solution, but it's one step getting people hopefully into their own permanent long-term housing. Yeah, even today was it's two degrees today, and it gets even colder at night. So I can't imagine people sleeping. I guess they call it sleeping rough um, outside. Um, that's pretty uh, that's pretty devastating for for people who have to do that. Um, so some people may think that homelessness and poverty are such big issues that there, and there's nothing that they can do about it to make a difference, but there is. In the season and spirit of giving, uh, what can people do uh, to help out? That's a good question. It is a big problem, um, and but there are lots of things people can do. Um, poverty and homelessness, they're not individual problems. They're, they're systemic problems, and I think the most important thing we can do is to advocate to the to our elected representatives, whether that be the provincial, the city, or the federal level, to say, I, I care about the people who are who are struggling right now. I care about the people who are living outside. We need to build and, and fund and support housing for these people because everybody deserves a place to live. It's, you know, it's not anybody's fault that they're homeless. It's the system's fault that they're homeless, and we, we need some bigger changes um, on, the, on the macro level that that will allow people to get off the streets. So that's one thing people can do, but also on a more individual scale, um, people can just talk to people and see what they need. You know, people, there's a lot of people around and, you know, a lot of people are trying to survive in the, as the winter comes on and, you know, they need things like socks and underwear and just the basics that everybody needs, but they also sometimes just want to have somebody to talk to and somebody that doesn't ignore them. So if you can say hi and check in, see how they're doing, if there's anything that they need, um, that can go a long way because some people on the streets, they feel invisible. They feel like nobody sees them, that nobody cares about them. So I often, you know, I don't give out change very much, but I always like to say hi and, and just check in on folks and see what they're doing because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know the situation. And so it's good to, good to chat and just to develop that connection because sometimes that's, that, that really helps. But what really, really helps is getting them housed. So it's also important, you know, I always try to do my social work practice on a couple of different levels and work, you know, individually one-on-one with people, but also be working behind the scenes on a bigger scale to advocate and to try to change systems because at the end of the day, it's a systemic issue. It's not an individual issue. So that is part of your work, you know, advocacy and uh, policy, you know, um, helping to change policy uh, with government uh, on all levels, I guess, all levels of government. Um, uh, so that's great to know that people can do something in that regard individually, just trying to, you know, maybe lobby their political representative for shelters and uh, housing. But there are organizations that people can can donate to, whether it's monetary or, you know, things like socks or boots and winter coats. You know, can you talk about those organizations? Yeah. Um, well, locally downtown, Out of the Cold is is a great organization that does everything they can um, to to support those folks. But to in in light of full disclosure, I am on the board of Out of the Cold, so I have a bit of a a bit of a horse in the race there. But I think there's it's a great it's a great group of people and they've got some really good staff this year that I was working with lately and uh, they're, they're opening up downtown and they're going to be a lot of people that they can help. So I always advocate for folks to give them the support that they need, but people, they're, they're actually just on Barrington street, correct? Um, yeah. Just and they down, have like street level uh, presence as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just down uh, near uh, peace and friendship park there. So, right. so people um, could drop off donations there. Um, yeah, because of COVID, I would check in first. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have Good the idea. 
number. I don't know if they have a phone or anything right now, but um, I can get that to you when they have that because they're just getting set up like right now. I think they just moved in this week. Um, so. And when are they going to open again? I think December you did mention 12th. Okay. December 12th is going to be the first day. Okay. So they can probably use a lot of stuff, but also they're really busy and working as much as they can full on to get open in the next couple of days um, because the weather's getting colder and it's not nice for anybody to be outside. So they're one organization, but also it's it's the organizations you can support, but also at all times of the year. Like they need support now, but they also need support come February and March when it's still cold, though it's still bad weather. But it's after the holidays and people – it's not on the forefront of people's mind anymore. Um, and there's other great shelters around that are around. They're not downtown, but, you know, Metro Turning Point through Shelter Nova Scotia, and they run Barry House as well. Um, they do. They work with a lot of the people that I work with, and we're just all trying to help people out. Add some in the North End, too, is great. Salvation Army is a great organization. Like, all, all those are the main shelters in, in the city, and they're all working 24-7, 365 days a year to keep people safe and off the streets. So if one of those kind of appeals to you, feel free. But also a longtime partner of the street outreach program has been MOSH, and they, um, they're the mobile outreach street health team, and there are a bunch of nurses that I partner with weekly, often multiple times a week, to check in on people who are, outside specifically from a health perspective so if there's anything you know that you can get in contact with them they have a website and all that so they're another great resource yeah they're a great program because they they provide free health care to clients they go to them instead of them being having to have like a family doctor or going to a walk-in clinic that kind of thing so that's that's a great yeah. program yeah. um so what about uh, navigator street outreach um how can people help out um, with that program or donate to that program what are the um, biggest needs, I guess, for I'm just for thinking I've, my car and my and my office are pretty full of donations right now, but the thing that I go through the most is uh, socks and, and mitts, I think, right now, socks and gloves, because people always need socks all through the year, and specifically in the wintertime, they need thicker kind of wool socks because the cotton socks they usually go out, give out during the summer are not warm enough for the wintertime. So socks, underwear, gloves, those kind of things go a long way all the time. Uh, at least all the time in the winter time. Um, hand warmers are a big thing. People need th- those are go pretty fast, and people can always use them, especially you know if they're out and about all day long. They you know they need to work with their hands, so it's good to have some hand warmers. Um, financial donations can help. Sometimes I, I have to help people with things like a damage deposit or paying for their first month's rent or something like that to get them a place. So the financial donations go a long ways as well. It's whatever you kind of think you need. Um, People who are homeless probably also need as well. So I've got a lot of toiletry supplies and stuff like that that I can deal with. But and sometimes if I get too much of one thing, I'm I'm very open to sharing it with other shelters. Like I got a big I got a big donation of toothpaste the other day, and I just kind of distributed that to the shelters because they needed it as well. And I can't deal with boxes and boxes. Of that's toothpaste. right. You don't have a lot of storage, but you know the yeah. agencies that are in need. So that's yeah. great that you are able to distribute them. Okay. Um, and also boots. We use a lot oh. of boots. I was thinking about that too. Boots and uh, shoes. People need those. That's what I get. And and jackets. Good jackets are useful too. So, Eric, uh, how do people get in touch with you if they do want to donate something? We have a website, or you can just probably call me, I guess. And my number is 902-209-6517 is my phone number, um, or just email me. It's eric at downtownhalifax.ca, and uh, I can sort through that pretty good. I, I Sometimes take a bit longer to get back to people. Like, it's been really busy with that kind of stuff, so I apologize if it takes me a bit. But I, I'm really interested in, in connecting with you and, and hopefully getting – getting the resources to the people who need it. And the website is navigatorstreetoutreach.ca.
thank you so much, Eric, for your time. Um, yeah, we'll probably have you again uh, next year. So yeah, happy holidays to you. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you guys as well. That was Eric Johnson, Program Coordinator with Navigator Street Outreach. You can learn more about the program by listening to Episode 5 of Downtown Lowdown at downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast, or you can go to navigatorstreetoutreach.ca. And we will also have links to the other organizations that Eric mentioned on the podcast page of our website, which is, again, downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. With the new restrictions around business and gathering limits announced by the provincial government on November 24th, we thought it would be a good idea to chat with Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. We'll talk about the state of business, the impact the restrictions will have on businesses, and some of the new and revised federal emergency economic relief programs. So, Paul, what do you have for us this week? Uh, well, I think we'll, we'll revisit a couple of old favorites. Um, there, there's a whole lot uh, that, that's terribly new, other than I know some programs have, uh, you know, have been opening up for applications. So we've talked a lot about the, the rent program, for instance. So the new rent program, it was announced a while ago, um, but it's the applications are now opening up for that, uh, and people can can apply for funding back to September. So I was just talking to a tenant uh, today who was, who was very excited about the program. So they were uh, in a situation where, you know, they had they had accessed the previous rent program um, but then for a couple of months but then the third month their landlord lost interest and didn't want to apply for it uh, again and so they they weren't going to get any relief but now with the new program uh, they as the tenant could just apply directly and it doesn't need landlord um, landlords to sign off on it just the tenant gets the money uh, based on their need and, and then they can apply that to the rent uh, so it eventually ends up in the hands of the landlord anyway so it seems like it's a much better program we'll be watching that certainly to see what the take-up is amongst our own members and and just generally but uh, we anticipate that program will, will work a lot better than the, than the first one did and uh, it's probably worth noting that uh, as much as sometimes we complain that government isn't uh, isn't listening to us, I think there's a great example where uh, government, the federal government released a program based on feedback they had. Um, it wasn't uh, as successful as they wanted, and they they went back and rejigged the program, uh, create a new one that that seems like it'll fill the need um, in a much better way. So. Um, so props to them. Um, so we'll talk about, so that's one program, but we'll talk about a couple of other ones. Uh, and, and really the, when what we're seeing in the news um, at the moment is, you know, programs being extended. So, you know, with, with great news coming out uh, about, uh, about the availability of a vaccine and lots of discussion about how that's going to be rolling out. But the good news is uh, there are a couple of, there's, one or a couple of vaccines that are on the way. So uh, it gives everyone a little bit of a, of a sense of there being light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so a lot of the questions are about how then will programs be extended just to kind of really bridge the gap really between now and uh, and when we can really start experiencing kind of a, a post-COVID world. And so uh, a couple of these programs are ones that have been, that are, have been existing programs uh, that have been extended. Um, so one of them is the Small Business Impact Grant. So this is a provincial program. Uh, this, again, was a program that, that groups like ourselves advocated for early on uh, when the government initially was rolling out, um, I think, a lot of programs that really were about you know, accessing or extending access to credit uh, to different organizations. And the feedback we had from that was, well, a lot of our businesses that we deal with, you know, Access to credit isn't necessarily the biggest problem. They, they, uh, you know, they don't want to take on a whole lot of debt with a really uncertain future, and really what they need is some cash in their pockets uh, to keep them going. So that was that led to the genesis of the Small Business Impact Grant, um, and uh, that's been extended. So that's a provincial program. Uh, it's a grant that can help cover operating expenses, uh, and those expenses can be can be fairly broad. Uh, it's a grant of up to five thousand dollars, and again, kind of based on on need um, in terms of the businesses. But uh, the, the application uh, can be found on the Nova Scotia. 
www.ca coronavirus page. So for businesses that, that have, as every business does, operating expenses they need covered, um, then they can go and look into the small business impact grant. So it's being listed as small business impact grant part two. Um, so I think it's, it's fairly similar to the, to the first round, but, uh, but it's really just an extension. So the other program uh, we'll talk about is the uh, the Regional Relief and Recovery Fund, uh, and this is a fund that has been extended. The federal go- government has put some more money into this, uh, and this was really meant to be a fund that could, you know, help businesses that fell through the cracks. So with all these different programs coming out, a lot of the feedback we would get is there were businesses or situations where, you know, the business wasn't really quite fitting the criteria of existing programs, and so the federal government uh, released some funding across the country, typically through their regional development organizations uh, for us here. In, in Atlanta, Canada, it's a COA, um, and this is really meant to be kind of a gap filler um, for those kinds of programs. So certainly, would encourage every business to uh, to look into this and see if they can uh, can meet the requirements for this. Um, what's a little bit different about this program for our members for in downtown Halifax is that uh, a COA is administering the fund uh, for most of Atlanta, Canada, uh, but in some of the urban areas, it's, it's being done through different organizations who just simply have more of an urban focus. So in Halifax, it's uh, Seed, which is the Center for Entrepreneurship. Uh, they're a great organization. Uh, if you're a small business in downtown Halifax, you probably had some sort of seed funding uh, as part of your startup. So a lot of businesses know them already. So this is, again, a, a way for, I guess, the federal government to get the money to ACOA and for ACOA to get the money to an organization that's got lots of experience uh, dealing with, with small uh, and medium-sized businesses in the urban core. So uh, anyway, it's, it's the same program, but it's uh, it's just done through seed uh, here. So uh, again, for kind of filling some of those gaps that maybe aren't covered by the other programs, uh, you can go on there. And if you go to the um, all the information about the about the site. Uh, believe it's on the seed and seed is C E E D. Believe it's on their webpage, but you can find all the information on the ACOA page as well, which is at Canada.ca/en/AtlanticCanadaOpportunities. Um, and there's a there's a frequently asked questions section there as well. Uh, and the FAQs have been have always been really beneficial. So before going through the process of you know trying to get someone on the phone and filling an application, it's always good to, to check out the FAQs, which can give some great information. Uh, about your eligibility. Yeah, and on the the C.ca uh, website, um, it's called the Urban Main Street Loans. Which actually maybe is much more descriptive than the yeah. Recovery Fund. Yeah, it's the COVID-19 Urban Main Street Loans on the SEED website. So yes, check those, check both those programs out uh, for your business downtown. And uh, certainly we'll be, we'll be continuing to advocate for extended programs. And, and again, I think part of our big message is, you know, now that there is, you know, again, the sense of a proverbial light at the end of the tunnel, uh, it's, it's really um, – you know, the idea is really, you know, let's, let's create programs with the right timeline, you know, with the right funding, funding mechanisms um, to, to carry these businesses through to a period when we'll hopefully be, be back to normal. Um, so that's uh, going to continue to be our message, and, uh, and we'll obviously continue to advocate to all levels of government uh, on these programs um, through the various means that we do that, uh, through phone conversations, through Twitter, through presentations. Uh, and, again, we have a, a weekly call with the Nova Scotia Business, Labor, and Economic Coalition. Uh, we've gone back to twice a week now. We, we were three times a week back in the spring. Uh, when things got a bit better in the summer, we went down to once a week, and now we're back up to twice a week. So two times a week we have direct access to representatives from all three orders of government, and so we will – continue to advocate. So if you're a business in downtown Halifax, and, and especially if you've, got, if you've got a particular challenge uh, that you need help with, uh, reach out to us and we'll see what we can do for you. And the other piece of information, just it's kind of interesting. One of the things, obviously, again, now that we're seeing, you know, hopefully looking towards a, a more normal 2021, certainly, you know, in the second half of the year, uh, there's lots of questions about what is that 
what is that going to look like uh, once once we're past uh, things? You know, how quickly will consumer confidence return and bring people back into into stores downtown, back into restaurants, you know, dine in, whether that's downtown or anywhere? Um, you know, how quickly will life go back to normal? Um, and one of the biggest changes we've had uh, in downtown Halifax and and in in most urban cores uh, is the the disappearance of the office worker. So you know, work from home first hit in March, and uh, that's that's fluctuated. It was basically the downtown emptied out almost immediately last spring. And then people started trickling back uh, over the course of the summer. Of course, you were into summer vacation, so it was really hard to kind of measure how how full that was going to be. Uh, and then once we got back into September, October, things did seem to be on an upward scale. Um, you know, we didn't have great statistics on this, but uh, but we had over half the workforce, I think, uh, back to work by October. But then, of course, the second lockdown happened in November, and a lot of those uh, people that had come back to work then went back to working remotely. Uh, although that was never part of the public health order, and even in our conversations with Dr. Strang, uh, for the same reason that they haven't closed the schools, um, the, the the spread they were seeing wasn't happening, you know, through the office environment. So he didn't feel there was any reason to uh, to have any sort of mandate around working from home. But a lot of people just felt more comfortable doing that. And so again, we've we've seen and felt the impacts uh, in downtown Halifax of people going back to working from home. So I think one of the biggest questions is now that we've all got new technology set up, we're all familiar with Zoom. We've all got you know our uh, our home office set up and, and ready to go. Um, you know. What will that look like even when people can come back to work? How many people will choose to work from home? How many organizations will offer working from home as a viable uh, alternative? And and this is a little bit of a crystal ball. No one really knows uh, the answer to this, and I've heard lots of different opinions about it. Um, there was an interesting one uh, today from John Stackhouse, who's the main economist with RBC Canada. Uh, and RBC is just putting out um, a pretty robust uh, piece of research, I think, that they've done. But he, he did a little teaser snapshot on Twitter um, this past week, which was, it was actually two different surveys. One was a survey for employees and one was a survey for employers. So if you look at the employee survey, essentially they were asking, you know, what's your preference uh, around working from home? You know, do you want to work totally from home? Do you want to have some sort of hybrid? Do you want to work totally back at the office? Uh, and along the short of it was when talking to employees, about 80% of them wanted to have at least some sort of flexibility around working from home, either part-time or full-time. So 80% uh, wanted to do that. Uh, but when you ask the question uh, to employers about whether they were going to be offering uh, remote work uh, post-pandemic, it was almost the opposite numbers. It was about 20% said that they thought it was either likely, very likely, or hadn't quite decided. Uh, and the other 80% of the respondents said, no, we aren't planning to do that. So there's a big gap there between what employees want and what employers want. I guess maybe that's always the case. Uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, obviously, you know, being, uh, being a downtown that depends uh, a lot uh, on, the, on the workers that come downtown, we're, we're hoping that, uh, that we'll see a large return. Uh, and of course, we think that downtown is, is the best place to work. Of course, but uh, but we'll, really see, we'll be watching these trends uh, and see what happens. I suspect that you know we're not going to see a full return to work like we did before. Um, you know, both you know, there's a lot of employees that prefer working from home, and there's a lot of employers that have that have liked the uh, situation as well. So, what those numbers uh, eventually shake out to be, no one seems to really know. But anyway, this is the the, the first piece of research I've kind of seen on kind of some some harder data um, in looking at it post pandemic, which which again is not that far away, hopefully. So that was John John Stackhouse from RBC, right? Tweeted that out. That's right. Yeah, and you can find that uh, find that full link if you're on Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, at Stackhouse John.
Yes, it is. Yeah. So another program uh, we should uh, continue to promote is the it's called the Shop Here program, uh, and it's being offered through Halifax Partnership. Uh, and this is uh, again like it's, it's such a need uh, to get businesses uh, online. So uh, we had offered a, a grant program uh, early on. Um, a few months ago now, uh, and we're looking at, uh, at spoiler alert, uh, a new program coming soon, which we'll probably talk about in our next podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, there is the Shop Here program. So uh, if you go to the Halifax Partnership website and look for that, um, it, there's some resources available there um, for businesses that uh, they're interested in, in e-commerce. And of course, we think every business that's selling a product uh, really needs to, to transition and, and have e-commerce available. Uh, and that's a big difference that we've we downtown and, and elsewhere have found between you know the spring, the spring lockdown, and the and the restrictions now in the fall is that you know a lot of businesses were were scrambling in the spring uh, to make sure that people could still shop in their businesses virtually through you know ordering online and delivery service that type of thing. Uh, and by the fall, many businesses had figured out how to do that. Um, so uh, for those that are listening that aren't members, it's a good reminder to let people know most businesses at this point are online, uh, and it's a matter of really just building those platforms, pr- promoting those platforms. Uh, anyway, the Shop Here program is is a good way that uh, that people can do that. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for your time. We were talking to Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. We discussed the new restrictions that were recently announced in response to the rising number of COVID-19 cases in the province, and in particular, HRM. Paul also gave us an update on some of the federal and provincial emergency economic relief programs. As always, Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest COVID-19-related information as the province revises restrictions. DHBC continues to follow the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check DHBC's main COVID-19 resource page for businesses and for the public at downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. The provincial state of emergency remains in effect until 12 noon, December 13, 2020. Nova Scotia will receive its first allotment of 1,950 doses of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine the week of December 15th and will begin with immunizing healthcare workers most directly involved in the COVID-19 response in Central Zone. The province is expected to receive a total of 150,000 doses in small weekly allotments beginning the week of December 15th and into the first three months of 2021. The vaccine is administered in two doses. Like most other provinces, Nova Scotia is following the National Advisory Committee on Immunization's guidance on COVID-19 vaccines. During the first three months of 2021, the focus will be to immunize long-term care residents and staff, seniors who live in the community beginning with those who are over 80 years of age, then people over 75, and then people over 70, and healthcare workers directly involved in patient care. Nova Scotians are encouraged to be patient and continue to be vigilant in adhering to the public health protocols until they can receive their vaccine. This includes wearing a mask, maintaining two meters or six feet of physical distance from others, proper hand hygiene, and adhering to gathering limits. Premier Stephen McNeil and Dr. Robert Strang, Chief Medical Officer of Health, announced new restrictions in HRM and across the province. These new restrictions came into effect on November 26th and will continue until midnight December 16th with a possibility of extension. Nova Scotians are being asked to avoid non-essential travel in and out of Western and Central HRM, which is defined as HRM from Hubbard's 2 and including Porter's Lake and the communities up to Elmsdale and Mount Uniac in Hans County and other Atlantic provinces. The following will apply to the parts of Western and Central HRM. The gathering limits in public is five, 
or up to the number of members of an immediate family in a household. Mandatory masking now applies to common areas of multi-unit residential buildings, such as apartment buildings and condos. Restaurants and licensed establishments are closed for in-person dining, but may provide takeout or delivery. Retail stores must restrict shoppers and staff to 25% or less of the allowable capacity. Wineries, distilleries, and breweries cannot hold tastings or in-person dining and must follow retail rules in their stores. Delivery and curbside pickup are allowed. Organized sports, recreational, athletic, arts and cultural activities, or faith-based activities are paused. Profit and nonprofit fitness and recreational facilities are closed. Libraries and museums are closed, including the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia. The casino and First Nations gaming establishments are closed. There will be a stronger enforcement of illegal gatherings, including ticketing of all attendees, total fine of $1,000. School and after-school programs and childcare will remain open, while certain personal services businesses such as hairstylists, estheticians, and nail salons in Western and Central HRM can continue except for procedures that cannot be done while a patron is wearing a mask. These are just some of the restrictions that may affect businesses, workers, and visitors in downtown Halifax. For more information and full list of restrictions, visit Nova Scotia Health Authority website at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. And now for BizBuzz. It's time for BizBuzz, and today I have some business and events updates. I'm going to talk about shopping local for the holidays in our downtown Halifax holiday gift guide, and I'm going to finish by telling you about Mayor Mike's local stuff challenge in support of Shelter Nova Scotia. So first, let's talk business and events. In light of the restrictions announced and then extended earlier this month, Restaurants and cafes cannot have any in-person dining. Because of this, some restaurants have closed temporarily and some have switched once again to takeout and delivery service only. There's still walk-in takeout service at some smaller cafes and restaurants like As You Like It, Trident Booksellers and Cafe, Cap and Coffee, Grounded Coffee, and more. So that means you can go in and order your coffee or lunch for takeout, but other larger restaurants are now closed to any type of in-person dining and service. Thankfully, many food establishments were able to set up the infrastructure in the spring to take orders online and by phone, so you can always pre-order your food for contactless curbside pickup and delivery. I recommend checking the websites and social media sites of the restaurants and cafes you're interested in visiting or ordering from to see how they are currently operating before heading out, or just call. Businesses would love to hear from you. In terms of retail, stores and shops are allowed to be open with reduced capacity. But because people are being discouraged to go shopping for non-essential items, many businesses are once again offering curbside pickup, local delivery, and shipping options. For stores that don't have websites or online e-commerce sites, I recommend finding them on Facebook or Instagram to see their products and call or even email to place your order for pickup. Also, many shops have set up either private or virtual shopping tours. So you can book a private shopping tour so you will be the only person in the store. Or you can do a virtual shopping tour using FaceTime or Zoom. Again, I would recommend checking out the shops you are interested in first to see how they are operating before heading out. As for attractions, they are all closed for now until further notice. This includes the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, the Discovery Centre, the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21, and the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. Switching to events, again, because of the current restrictions, most events have been cancelled or they have moved online. This includes the Evergreen Festival, which moved both their market and stage online. You can now do your shopping online with the Evergreen Market, and the Evergreen Screen, which was the Evergreen Stage, is now online, and you can watch the live music for free from the comfort of your own home. 
but you can still get out and enjoy Evergreen Bright. Evergreen Bright is a walkable trail of twinkling holiday lights and storefront displays along the waterfront and throughout downtown Halifax in the Spring Garden area. This includes the holiday light projection at City Hall and Grand Parade. The holiday projection is on every night until January 1st between 4.30 and 9.50 p.m. It runs every 10 minutes. Peace and Friendship Park down by the Westin Nova Scotian Hotel is all lit up for the holidays. There's a new 26-foot tree along with other winter-themed decorations and holiday lights. These lights will be up until at least the end of January. The waterfront is all lit up for the holidays with various projections on CSS Acadia and the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. Plus, they have the Tunnel of Hope, which is a 150-foot light installation stretching along the Salter Street boardwalk. It is presented by Amera and Nova Scotia Power in support of Mental Health Foundation of Nova Scotia. And the Halifax Citadel National Historic Site has lit up the historic signal mast for the first year in modern times, and it is definitely a must-see this holiday season. For more information on Evergreen Festival, the online market, the Evergreen Stage, and all the illumination activations of Evergreen Bright, visit evergreenfestns.com or follow at evergreenfestns on social media. And if you do come down to see the lights of Evergreen Bright, remember there's free parking on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, in the pay-by-plate parking lots along the waterfront until December 20th. And of course, please wear a mask, keep your distance, and follow the current health protocols when you're out and about in downtown Halifax viewing the lights. Now switching gears to holiday shopping. This year, more than ever, it is so important to support our local businesses after this challenging year. The holiday season is generally such an important time of year for businesses, specifically retail, food and beverage, and personal service type businesses. So we are encouraging everyone to think local first this holiday season when shopping. We realize that you may not be able to purchase all your gifts locally, but when possible, try to buy local. And remember that gift cards make great gifts any time of year and are another great way to support our local businesses. If you're looking for local holiday shopping ideas, look no further than our Downtown Halifax Holiday Gift Guide. There are almost 80 businesses featured in the guide from the Downtown Halifax and Spring Garden area. You can check it out online at downtownhalifax.ca slash gift guide. And again, remember that businesses are offering curbside pickup, local delivery, and shipping options, so it is easier than ever to shop local this year. And finally, let's talk about Mayor Mike's Local Stuff Challenge. So a few weeks ago, Mayor Mike Savage approached the Business Improvement Districts and Associations, a.k.a. BIDS or BIAs, around the Halifax area, of which there are 11, including us, Downtown Halifax Business Commission, about participating in a stocking challenge to support Shelter Nova Scotia. Each bid and BIA was asked to stuff a stocking with products from local shops and businesses in their area. Each stocking will be auctioned off in support of Shelter Nova Scotia. Our stocking has been stuffed and features some great products from stores in downtown Halifax. And although the stocking highlights just a very small sample of businesses in downtown Halifax, we think it represents a wide variety of products you can purchase downtown. For more information, you can visit downtownhalifax.ca slash stuffit, or you can follow at downtownhalifax or hashtag stuffit2020 on social media to keep up to date and for information on the auction and how to bid on the stockings. And just before we sign off, we would like to wish a happy Hanukkah to all those celebrating. Hanukkah runs from December 10th to 18th this year, and you can view the menorah in the Grand Parade until December 18th. That's it for BizBuzz this week, and this is our last BizBuzz of 2020. This concludes Downtown Lowdown Episode 39, recorded on December 10th, 2020. We're taking a short hiatus for the holiday break, and we'll be back and refreshed in 2021. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. Please rate and subscribe to Downtown Lowdown. And don't forget to follow at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy holidays and thanks for listening.